Welcome to the Addiction Solution Podcast. I'm Michelle Dunbar. Enjoy listening and watching as addiction experts Mark Sheeran and I cover controversial as well as helpful topics on addiction, how to move past it, and other related subjects. As two of the co-founders of the Freedom Model, Mark and I will give you a completely new perspective on the topics that matter to you. We will take to task the Recovery Society's lies and misinformation and replace them with facts, research, and the methods to move on from addiction struggles without 12-step meetings, rehabs, and the shackles of endless recovery. Let's escape the treatment and recovery trap together and learn to be free. Welcome to the truth. Hi. Welcome to the Addiction Solution Podcast. I'm Michelle Dunbar. And I'm Mark Sharon, and we are the co-authors of The Freedom Model for Addictions with Stephen Slate. And uh, we're going to talk about Hollywood today. Yes, we're going to talk about, uh, you know, I was on TikTok looking at videos, um, and there's a whole lot of recovery videos about all the celebrities that have died, you know, that have that have lost their battle with addiction. That's always what is said is that this person, you know, it's, it's, look, I think these deaths are tragic, but for a different reason. Um, the addiction is framed as a battle in our culture because of misinformation. And the majority of these celebrities that quote unquote lost their battle with addiction had been to at least one, usually lots more treatment programs. Yeah. Um, and, and so this whole idea that treatment somehow works, well, that kind of flies in the face of that, doesn't it? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to back us up and do a little historical work because she kind of fleshed out what we're going to be talking about. Um, the question is why does, why does Hollywood, uh, Hang on, I got to Hollywood, the music community, like oh, that celebrity world. Why does it? Why does it support the twelve steps so vehemently? Why is it so uh, beholden to that to that model? And the reason is, if you look at the roots of AA, Bill Wilson was a, a grand marketer, and and he had uh, Marty Mann work diligently with Hollywood, yeah, and tried to get. Hollywood, here's the irony. They said, you know, we, it should be remain anonymous at the level of press, radio, TV, and film. Right. That's one of the what, 12 traditions. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. And in classic Bill Wilson marketing, he was just completely full of shit. And, <laughs> and, you know, he wanted AA to be an integral part of the narrative in Hollywood and to be the only solution. Right. To be where everybody struggling with an alcohol or drug problem went. So he worked with uh, the unions, the film unions, uh, the actors uh, unions, and and made sure that that when they spoke about AA, uh, they had talking points. And and you can look back in history and see where this all started happening in the 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. And now it's just in. I mean, every third show, there's an AA meeting in it. It's it's incredibly yeah, I mean, annoying. There's, there's so much propaganda that comes out of Hollywood that's pro-AA. Yeah. You almost never see anti-AA or something that doesn't go with the with narrative. With that narrative. Right. Like, like, you would never know if you watch TV shows, if you watch the media at all, you would never know that the vast majority of people that solve an addiction do it on their own. 
Yeah, that's it's always something that really bothers me, and I'll tell you why. Especially with harm reduction, because harm reduction, the implication is that the best you're going to do is kind of be addicted. You know, you're you're still based on this whole idea that you're broken in some way. Yeah, kind of addicted. You're gonna the best you're gonna do is better is better, and and I like the term better is better, Uh, but not when it but not when it comes to setting a standard that better is better is the only way. I think the best answer is: Did you know? And I think every conversation about addiction should start this way. Did you know that the probability of you getting over the problem is greater than ninety one percent? no matter what drug you take. Did you know that? Yeah. And whether you're treated or not. And most people would say, I didn't know that. I've never heard that. Where'd you get that? Oh yeah. I mean, shoot, we say it online all the time. People are like, where are you getting that information? Well, only from the largest research studies that have been done in the history of the world. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Huge research studies that are done every 10 years um, here in the United States. Okay, and the only reason I don't think it was done in 2020, 2021, and maybe they're doing it now is because of COVID. Right. So every conversation when it talks about probabilities should start with the hopeful message that it's almost guaranteed that you're going to get over the problem when you factor in age. Now, the question becomes, how quickly do you want to get over your problem? And um And so what the freedom model does is it speeds that up so you don't have to wait for your own sort of investigative work and your positive drive to find your own path. We can show you how to get there quicker. That's all we do. That's it. You know, it's inevitable that you're going to figure this out. But if you end up in the treatment trap, if you're Mm -hmm. the tiny, 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 tiny minority that ends up in treatment, they're always like, you know, very few people get treatment that need it. Thank God. Thank God. Only that, that, 10, 10, maybe now it's up towards 20% of people that fit the criteria for a substance use problem um, or substance use disorder, as it's called today. Only about 10 to 20% ever get treatment. Right. So, and the good news about that is, is that the rest of you out there aren't being fettered deeply with the message hey, you're going to die. It's jails, institutions that are, are death if you don't abstain and you, you know, we're going to do. And go to meetings or, yeah. and do the steps and do all of these things. The thing about Hollywood, going back to Hollywood, um, that's so terrible is the cult is so well entrenched in Hollywood that you literally, if you don't toe the line, if you're deemed an addict or an alcoholic or somebody with a problem and you don't do exactly as prescribed going to the right treatment program, getting in the right recovery circles, you don't get work. You get blacklisted, right? You lose your jobs. You like they, they have cooked in so many what I call um, kind of false consequences. I don't know. That's not the term I'm thinking of, but, but cooked in so many consequences for not towing the recovery line exactly as you're supposed to. Um, I mean, if you just decide, if you just decide, well, I'm just going to, I'm just not going to go to meetings. I don't buy into that, but I'm going to go do my thing over here. Um, it becomes very difficult Watch for you. Bottom of your head. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, so, And if you don't toe the line, we've had this experience, you know, we've always been outspoken against 
the trap of AA and the lie behind this idea of you being an alcoholic or a drug addict and that drugs have powers and yada, yada, yada. And if you're outspoken about that, uh, you'll find like many have in Hollywood that didn't toe the line that you will have the IRS sicked on you. Yeah, that happened to us. We we got audited for, and we passed the audit. That was all fine. But but the point is, is that you will pay a price and it's shocking the lengths to which they'll go to try and make your life a living hell. Um, so AA has the power to destroy lives and they have yes. Cor- corporately they have. Um, I've had to sue AA in the past, so I know many people have. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's the sort of thing where, uh, you know, that is a powerful group of people. And Bill Wilson knew that if he got, you have to remember, this is in the thirties, forties and fifties when, when Hollywood was just growing into this massive icon of our culture. And it was, it was the internet of its day. And he, he said, I got to own that thing. Yeah. So smart. So smart. Yeah. And, and so what he did was he showed people in Hollywood, let's push the idea that there is a battle. He created such a great straw man. And that is this idea of addiction enslaving you. And then you have Hollywood elites who are heavy drinkers, right? Who in the past probably wouldn't have had a problem. They partied heavy. They would have moved on with their lives. They would have enjoyed themselves, maybe had some problems and figured it out. But now it became a condition, a disease. And so he had two fronts he was going after, the medical community and Hollywood. And combined, you can't lose. I mean, you're going to own society at that point because you're a propaganda machine. And the medical community didn't didn't jump on the disease bandwagon as quickly. It didn't get mainstreamed, although it turned into a disease in the 50s and 60s by the AMA. If you were to pull people right up into the 80s, very few people believed that it was a disease. But now what they've done is they've incorporated addictionology into every uh, physician's assistant and physician's medical schooling with all this propaganda nonsense. And so now we have an entire group of addictionologists, doctors who believe in this crap. Yeah, it's really a shame. I want to go to the to the irony. There's a certain irony about the Hollywood elite and especially the recovery Hollywood elite. And it's the ones that specifically have their recovery podcasts now and they talk about, so, so Mark did a, did a stitch on TikTok with Russell Brand and we're not picking on Russell Brand. I'm sure he's a wonderful man, but the irony of somebody saying that addiction begins and ends with pain. Right. That, that's pain. what he said. Addiction okay. begins and ends with pain. How many of these Hollywood people that end up getting into trouble um, with substance use, how many of them started their substance use in pain? Weren't they starting their substance use because they're rolling in dough and they were partying their asses off and having a grand old time? Not- I mean, I don't I think the vast majority weren't weren't sitting at home drowning their sorrows. I, I mean, am I wrong? <laughs> I, I think that that just so we don't have the naysayers out there picking this apart. Let, let me throw you a bone. So you might have the childhood actor who oh, has for sure who has been taught that addiction that they're susceptible and that yes. addiction is is a result of their trauma a result of their traumatic childhood 
Which Hollywood children in Hollywood was uh, horribly traumatizing. Yeah, I, I think that they had pretty shitty lives when it comes to that sort of. They were slaves. Uh, yeah, scenarios. Um, not everybody. Some had great mm -hmm. lives. Whatever. Um, so we're not picking on that person, but but let's face it. Let's face it. When when you party and you're young, and we're not even young. Let's say your your acting career takes off in your thirties. You're at the prime of your life. And you're partying your ass off with these elites and you're making a ton of money. Uh, most of the time, that's where, quote unquote, addiction, but we would call it just a habit, right? But the problem is that permeated all through that is this message that of that you're susceptible to addiction and and that there's special traumas that actors and actresses go through being in the spotlight and the loneliness of the elite actor. Right. And and so there's now which some, may be real. Uh, right. I'm, Absolutely. Uh, We're not saying it's not real. I'm saying it in a sarcastic way um, because a lot of that is made up, but a lot of it isn't. It didn't come out of the ether. You no. know, it's not it's not made up. So the problem is, is that they have all of these different narratives that now feed the machine. It does. So it becomes real. It's become a culture of trauma. It's become a culture. It's become rich people complaining about being rich. <laughs> yes. How, how difficult life is for them. It's more difficult. They have different problems. Well, look, at, they do have different problems, but they don't have worse problems or better problems. I mean, there's a whole wide that's, range that's, of problems that people have that all people have. That's this thing called life that we that's exactly right. It's like when you're when you're building a business and you're building something that's really important to you and it's going to have a huge payout and you're you're working your ass off and you're working 10 to 16 hours a day every day for years on end, right? Building the company. And then somebody comes along and says, you know, maybe it'd be easier if you just quit. And then you think about it and you say, would I be working less hard if I was a ditch digger? Right. No. It's just, it would have a different set of challenges. Yes. Poverty does, right? Yes. And, and so, so you wouldn't be working less hard. You'd be working hard at something else. Now, let's say that you decided, you decided to quit working altogether. Would that be easier? The answer is no. Unless you have a sugar daddy, a sugar mama, what you're going to do is you're going to live in poverty out in the street, which becomes a full-time job, which has all these other Hard problems. work problems. Here's the point I'm making. We all have a shitstorm called life that we got to navigate through. And I'm not sure that anybody's problems are any worse than another person's problems, but at points they can be. Sure. If you have something massively traumatic like the loss of a child, I would rank that way higher than what I'm going through today. But it, it tends to be equally doled out throughout life. To everyone. To everyone. There's, there's, none of us are getting out of this alive. So we're all going to experience death of loved ones. We're all going to experience knowing somebody probably that should, shouldn't have died that did uh, unexpectedly. We're yep. going to experience money troubles. We're going to experience most, I mean, the vast majority of people. Relationship problems. That's right. They're, I mean, they're, they're par for the course. So, so the Hollywood elites have their own set of problems. Absolutely. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. Most of us with all those problems present begin partying because we like it. 
Yes. Then we build the habit because we like it a lot. Yep. But then AA comes along and instills a whole different side, the straw man of the power of addiction, the nebulous force. Boy, you inject that into all the stuff called life that's challenging and you're partying and it gets really confusing very fast. And all of a sudden now you're, you're starting to second guess how much you like it. And if you like it too much, and then you have other people parroting this stuff, then you have a therapist that's saying you have a problem. Before you know it, you're just like every elitist out there in Hollywood who's saying, I need to go to AA and be a part of this social club over here, or else I won't get an acting job. And it becomes just a nightmare. Yeah, of people controlling your lives. And now we have second generation uh, AA members in Hollywood right? Second generation of, of people who were born into the heavy substance using recovery world. Mm -hmm. And like we were, and, and so right from go, somebody commented on that. Well, because you grew up in AA, why did you ever have a problem? Well, precisely, I had a problem because it was, I was taught that that I could never touch a drop of alcohol. Yeah, it was I framed as an addiction. A, right. Yeah. Right. So I was an addict. I had an addict identity, honestly, before I, the first time I ever got drunk, um, before I even tried a drug, I already had that framed in my mind that, well, I got to get my party in while I can. Because, <laughs> and the, even then, even then, I really liked it. Right. I really liked or, or you drunk. I or really, you wouldn't have kept doing I it. I wouldn't have kept doing it. We don't do things we hate or that we don't want to do. Mm-hmm. At some level, we want to do it. Um, I did not. This is the one thing you need to know. The first time I got drunk, and I remember it very, very well, I went to a friend's house uh, after school in eighth grade, and her parents weren't home, and she got, she made us screwdrivers. And when you're, when you're 13 years old, you make a screwdriver with half vodka, half orange juice, a big tall glass. I did the same exact thing. <laughs> right. That exactly was almost everybody's first thing. drink. And I can remember it tasted kind of, I, I mean, I had tried alcohol before, but never that much of it. And I'm sorry, I got blurry because of my hands. Um, and it tasted kind of funny. And I felt a little tipsy and a little sick and I ended up throwing up that night, but my mother thought I had the flu. So I got to stay home the next day. So it was like, it was, it was fun. Even though I got sick and stuff, I really enjoyed the feeling of being tipsy. Now I didn't get drunk again for maybe a year. I mean, it was, it was a while I had had a drink here and there, but I had never didn't get drunk again for a while, but, but yeah, there was no pain involved when I was first getting, you know, getting drunk. It was just an opportunity that I had and I had watched, you know, by then my dad was sober. So there was no alcohol in my house, not even mouthwash. And, but I, but I had watched my parents party. Yeah. So, so to, to your point about Hollywood. So now we're actually more, we're two, three generations, four generations oh, yeah, deep that's in, true. in Hollywood. Uh, Cause this started back in the forties and fifties. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and so now it's, it's gone even further into the mythological world of the religion of addiction and recovery with, it's a battle. Yes. The battle with addiction now. And and I've said this in a million other podcasts, but I, I'm going to repeat it here. 
in order for there to be a battle of anything, you have to have two entities. So you have to have two participating causal entities, meaning something has to have some operative force. Mm -hmm. Like we act and we behave, we do things like that, right? So you have me and then you have the nebulous force of addiction that impose, is imposing itself upon me. Well, that's a weird idea. Okay. Right. But, but Bill Wilson coined it as the cunning, powerful entity, right? Baffling. Baffling, right. Baffling, cunning, baffling, and powerful, right? Cunning. And, and so, so, and then he talked about it in this personified way. So suddenly we have this straw man, this made up force. This, I call it the nebulous force of addiction, because anytime somebody struggles, they say, there are, I, we understand the valiant battle with addiction. We're so sorry that you've been, you, you, you're susceptible to this with your genetics and, you know, and then there's all this bullshit that's piled on. And, and so AA in, in Hollywood has been harping on this battle with addiction with stars and the elites for yeah, years for years and it's Wicked, to tragic sad. ends and you know and the, it seems like in the last few years that's sped up you know the loss of these celebrities i mean you know I, everybody remembers the show celebrity rehab i mean oh my those god people, was, I mean, what a true tragedy what what a train wreck of just ineffective cult mythology yeah, I, I, that's, you know, when I when I, I said on a video I did recently about um, would you so, you know, I compare 12 step methodology to poison, you know, it's it's kind of like people have asked me, so why are you picking on AA? Why you guys pick? Why don't you just say what you do? And because we are people who drank the poison initially, we drank the poison and we were okay. Okay. And so in the beginning, we <clears throat> told the AA line, we did, like, I rewrote my history, I started thinking in terms of, I, you know, got addicted to alcohol and drugs because of my trauma, I started believing a lot of this stuff. And in, when you when you are given something, and it feels like it works for you, you want others to have it. So but the thing about Mark and I is both of us had already kind of been in AA. So we'd seen that the majority of people that come don't stick it out. We'd seen people die mm. who didn't get it. Yeah. Like we were observant enough to see that something wasn't right. Yeah. And, and so we set out to figure out what was wrong, what was wrong with it and why most people didn't get it. And in our minds, because what AA tells you is when people don't stick around, they die. Right. And the irony is most of the people that matriculate out don't, don't die. They move on with their lives. And we didn't know that though. We right. Didn't know that no, we had no clue. We, we thought they were all dying and, and that's the fearful cult tactic of trying to loop you in and make sure you stick around. Yeah. You know, if you have the hammer of death jails, institutions hanging over your head every day, like we did, you're going to go to a meeting every day and you're going to be subservient. Because you're terrified that you're going to end up in a casket. Yeah. And what that really shows, the people that stick it out, what it really shows is you were willing to buy in. You were willing to basically do anything. So you, you, you were you, done. You were ready to be done. Yeah. So if you've been given the right information that you could be free, 
you would have been fine and you will be fine. That's why most people are fine that don't buy in. That's right, because they move on, because they know. And here's the problem with seeing it as a battle. When, Like I said, you need two entities. So when you create the battle, you create a distraction, a made-up bullshit distraction called the disease of alcoholism that you're battling, right? It's, it doesn't exist. Right? It's it not literally real. doesn't fucking exist. It's an imaginary boogeyman. Yeah, that's right. So the disease concept... Right, that Bill Wilson created the personified view the, doing push-ups in the parking lot. Uh, of alcohol being personified, that it's human-like and intelligent and against you, is a huge distraction in your mind sitting here when you could just go, I'm not going to look at that. I, that's silly, weird stuff over there. I think I'm just going to go internally and ask myself if I still like getting fucked up every day. Right. I, and, and, and how much do I still like it? And, and why do I still like it? Yeah, why do I like it? And how have I built this habit? And my God, I didn't even realize that I built a habit. I, I, I have. And geez, it seems silly that I've done that. Now, I'm making light of that process. I mean, sometimes it takes us four weeks to get through that with somebody. Right. Um, sometimes it takes people several months to get through that on their own. Yeah. Yeah. So... So the, but the point is it's a direct preference change internally because there is no other entity. Do you see? There's no, that's a huge distraction from the very thing that's going to save you, which is you. Yes. So Hollywood sits in their lost world. I know. In this personified thing called addiction. And, and then they, they just, they just live in that. 12 step meeting world. And it's, it's super sad and unnecessary. Well, and, and, and they go in and out and in and out. They toe the line for a while. Then something happens or they, they, because now they've tied, you know, unhappiness to getting messed up. Right. And so, you know, they, they start to feel the pressures of, of that lifestyle of being under the microscope. We called it living in a fishbowl. Um, and, and they, so they run back out and secretly start to get fucked up again. Um, thinking that they have to, because they're succumbing to their cravings. They're succumbing to the trauma. They're still broken and they believe they are. And then they're back and forth and back and forth. And each time they go to treatment and each time they have, um, just like those of us out here in the world, each time they try and fail because it's not really a failure because you're still going back to doing what you want to do, but you don't know that. So each time they do, it reinforces in their mind just how broken they are. Yeah, that's a great point. That cycle is devastating. And then then they get looped into all the special Hollywood-type rehabilitation and therapy. Oh, yeah, that the, is, the best money can buy, right? That, that's right, which, which just makes the therapists a lot of money. It does. Because um, it keeps them looped into this specialness you're a special case because you're a hollywood elitist and and so you have special problems now there's no doubt that being a star has has a uniqueness about it for sure but it certainly doesn't mean that your pressures are any greater than the than the kid that's growing up in crackville usa yeah. or or the farm kid who has to work his ass off at eight o'clock in the morning all the way till sundown with an abusive dad who's drunk all day you know so so humans are very resilient and if given the proper information, make good decisions for themselves. That's why our species, even when we kill each other in wars, we still propagate everywhere. <laughs> We're still successful because yeah. we figure shit out. But, but this distraction called addiction and recovery is such a sad, sad, unnecessary thing. And it's what's killing 
the the celebrities out there. Now, I be, I keep using the word elites uh, because I'm I'm making fun of when I use that term the people that are the controlling agents of the twelve step world in Hollywood. Yeah, that run the narrative, and and it's wrong. So. I'm not talking about the common celebrity out there that's wondering why they keep falling apart. Yeah, Those God, pe- that's awful. They're, they're not the bad actors. They're not the ones out there making all this bad shit happen. It's, but it's the people in the 12-step rooms, the gurus in, in the elitist sort of world that are controlling everybody else. That's the kind of stuff that we're talking about here. And it's, um, But it's making certain people in the recovery world millions of dollars oh yeah there are sober coaches now who see dollar signs and and maybe some of them are wonderful people Uh, you know i'm not going to judge them all but i cannot imagine agreeing to take thousands of dollars from someone to be their paid friend to walk around with them and make sure they stay sober Right. Stay in their lane. Stay right, right. I mean, God, what a terrible job. Yeah. Yeah. It's sad. It's you sad. know, and, and a, a lot, you know, forget about the financial predation that happens there. Yeah. You know, the, we know about the sexual predation in the, in the rooms and especially, I'm sure that was really prevalent in Hollywood. Um, but there's also the financial predation that happens where people see, you know, you go to an, if you want to find a bunch of vulnerable people hit an AA meeting, Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it, there's all kinds of people that cause the anonymous nature of it makes it a really good place to hunt. So here's what, how I want to end this. I want to tell you if you're an actor or an actress, and or, or any music or a musician, yeah, musician, any part of the Hollywood establishment or just up and coming actor, whatever. Uh, and you're getting sucked into this into this world with the elitists who are running. We're trying narrative. to run your life. Yeah. Escape from that. You can. You can live your own life, make your own decisions. You can move on with your life. You don't have to be a part of that community. You can just simply bow out quietly Read the freedom model. Understand that you are totally capable. There is no straw man called addiction. There are just habits and preferences that you have built for heavy use. You're not you, weak. You're not broken. That's right. And and again, there's no entity called addiction driving you. There's just you making decisions. And you need the right information. So get a copy of the freedom model. Get out of that system. And move on with your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, everybody, for listening today. Remember, if you like our podcast, uh, rate us on Apple or Spotify. Yeah, it helps reach more people. It helps us reach more people. Subscribe um, to our YouTube channel if you're watching this on YouTube. And if you have a problem, you want to talk to us, um, there are a couple ways you can do that. You can email us at info at thefreedommodel.org. You can call us at 888-424-2626. You can join our Freedom Model Facebook group called, it's called The Freedom Model on Facebook. It's a private group. So none of your friends will be able to know you're in it or know what you're posting in it. And you can actually talk with us directly through that group. Um, How else? 
Well, we have the ads at the end of that that describe all the different all of different products. Well. You can see our products at thefreedommodel.org. You can get a free digital download of our books by using coupon code FREEDOM100 at checkout rate right from only from our website, uh, thefreedommodel.org. And um, I guess that's it. So thanks, everyone. And we'll talk to you next week. All right, everybody. Take care. 